And I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We are glad that you are here. Uh, we have 10 in our church family. Uh, by the way, ushers, add 10 to your count for those that are uh, probably by now heading away from Caswell from a retreat this weekend. Uh, we want to be praying for safe journeys for them. But we're glad that you're here. And uh, there is a lot going on at Flat Springs Baptist Church in these next few days. And there's opportunities for ministry uh, all around everywhere. And so we want you to be involved in those. Uh, if you would look at the insert, you're going to need it in a minute for the song, but on the back, there are just many opportunities for you to be involved in Bible studies, uh, sign up for our outdoor ministry, um, just opportunities to be involved. We're trying to get a grief share group going as well. You can sign up uh, for that. That's also, I think, some information about that in the bulletin. Uh, and we're just excited that God has us busy. You'll also see in October, which is just a couple of weeks away now, we're going to have our annual churchwide picnic on the first Sunday in October. Uh, the first Saturday, thank you. I just seen if y'all were listening. Okay. Um, and uh, October 5th. And that morning we're going to have a cleanup around. We're going to cut the bushes and possibly put some some mulch out, and so we're going to be busy that way. We're going to meet at 7 a.m., 7 a.m. that morning. Uh, uh, some will be here, and they'll be cooking, but uh, if you can come help us uh, trim the bushes and pick up that and, and like I said, possibly put out some mulch, uh, that would help us spruce up our, uh, our facilities on the outside for, uh, for the coming fall and winter and that would be good and then you'll see the fall festival we're going to be moving our uh, chili cook-off to this uh, we still got that trophy and I think we have some former winners here in our church of, of that cook-off and we'll be doing that that will be an outreach event our fall family festival uh, we'll be asking more of you to be involved in that but there there's information about that as well and then finally, by way of announcements, uh, if you're going or would like to go or would like to see if you'd like to go to Burgall this Friday and Saturday or Friday or Saturday, you can go one day. Uh, we've got some coming on Friday. We've got some coming on Saturday. We've got some that are going to be leaving and being there both Friday and Saturday. Randy will be having a meeting right down here immediately following morning worship. He's got the forms that you need to fill out and some information that you will need to be ready to, to be a part of that. So if you're interested, come to that meeting uh, and um, just find out more. And I hope you'll be praying for the team that will be going. I think right now there are 11 of us total that will be going in different shifts, but uh, there's room for more. And we can give you the information about the arrangements, where we'll be staying, how we'll be staying, and all of that if you're interested in going down. And this is actually still helping folks. We're, we're going to be trying to work on three houses of folks that have been out of their house since Florence hit over a year ago. So uh, can you imagine being displaced for a year? But due to everything the way it is, there are folks like that. And we are going to be doing some fine-tuning to three houses uh, to try to get them closer to getting families back in their homes after that devastation. So uh, we're excited about that. Is there any other announcements that I may have overlooked? I want to say a special word of thanks to Stacy. She will be doing our children's sermon for us today. Um, and so, young folks, when you see Miss Stacy come down here, you'll know that'll be your hint. Uh, and I think Jimmy will probably remind you. But to come down for the children's sermon as well. If you're visiting with us for the first time, welcome. We're delighted, delighted that you're here. And you'll find a guest card in the pew in front of you. If you'd fill that out, drop that in the offering plate. We'll take care of the offering today. You just drop that card in there. and We're glad you're here 
We appreciate your presence with us today. As way of our prayer concerns, you'll see that list in your bulletin. I remind us that this is a sacred assignment, this prayer list is. This is probably as close to holy writ as you will get outside God's word. These are the names of people that we want to be remembering. Miss Emma Cotton is recuperating from eye surgery this past Friday. Uh, Anthony Harrington is recuperating from having a port put in his arm uh, the, also this past Friday. Um, Larry Wicker had surgery this week. They found out I'd never heard of this. He has tonsil cancer, and they have removed it. They think they've got everything taken care of, but we certainly want to be covering him with our thoughts and prayers. And also, Mike Wells, that uh, is Mary Schaub's uh, son-in-law. Uh, they have found more cancer. We want to be remembering Mike in our thoughts and prayers in a very special way. But boy, look at the names on that list. They need our prayers. As we gather in this place and in his name to worship him, let's begin by praying. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting us here faithfully. Thank you that you'll be here next Sunday and the Sunday after and the Sunday after because you've told us that you don't want us to forsake the assembling of ourselves together to worship you. You've told us that you inhabit the praise of your people. You've told us where two or three are gathered together in your name, you are in our midst and we gather today in your name. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear what you have to say. We want to be challenged by your Holy Spirit. For Lord, we want to be more like you. We want to live like Jesus. We want to look like Jesus. We want to act like Jesus. So as we begin this worship, we begin with a word of confession. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive us for the failures of this past week. Forgive us of the failure of the stewardship of our time, of our thoughts, of our energy, of our actions. And Lord, we promise you today that we recognize and realize that if we allow you to be Lord of all, that you'll make a difference in all in every part of our life. So hear us as we confess our sins. And Lord, also we bring the blessings of life to you and we lay them at your feet, grateful for the opportunities, Lord, when we were good stewards of our time and our energy and our actions. And Lord, we pray that you would receive them those moments when we said that word and we realized you were leading us to say that word. We did that deed and we recognized, God, you were in our action. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we offer you our praise. Not only with our lips, but with our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you might inspire us today, O oh God. You, O oh God, inspire us that we might live differently. We might be a different husband than we've ever been before, a different father than we've ever been before, a mother, a wife, a friend, a co-worker, a fellow classmate, whatever life and wherever life may take us. Inspire us, O oh Lord, that we might walk as people who love you with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
would you please take your hymnals and turn to 443, This Joy I Have. Let's stand as we sing. here on this day we want to keep our eyes on you lord keep us focused on what you want lord and what you want this church to do thank you lord for our many blessings and keep those on our our prayer list lord and be with them and comfort them through their difficult time forgive us of our many sins in christ's name we pray amen
take out your insert. This uh, song is different words to the tune Morning Has Broken. Serious question. <laughs> yes or no answer. Am I? No. What about Pastor Gary? He's kind of old. Okay. Talk. If there's somebody that's older around us, we have to be respectful. And older men, like they're our fathers. God wants us to honor all people. But elderly, that's what we call old people, like me and Mr. Gary. The elderly have wisdom that we should all look for and listen for and wait for. We've lived longer. I tell Taylor all the time, I've already been through first grade. I already know everything that you know. I've been through sixth grade. I've been through twelfth grade. So even I, even though I don't have gray hair because I cover it up, um, I'm older, so I might have a little bit of wisdom, right? So we've all been through different things, and so we've learned sometimes how to rely on God because we've already been there and done that. We can learn so much from older people who have Jesus in their heart. In Proverbs, we're told that older people are wise. In Proverbs 20, it says, The glory of young men is in their strength, but the beauty of old men is in their gray hair. 
How about that? That means that there's a lot to learn from older people. I used to love to sit and listen to my grandma tell stories. Do you guys ever listen to your grandparents tell stories? Are they good storytellers? Yeah, you like them? That's because they've already... Well, that's okay. They're making sure that you listen. Yeah. And I'm sure anyone here in this church, they would love to sit and talk with you and tell you stories, and they'll bring you closer to Jesus each time that you listen to them and honor them and respect them. You guys okay? So you're honoring God when you honor those that are older than you. All right? Let's say a quick prayer. Dear God, thank you for these children. Thank you for the elders in this church and the example they show all of us in our walk with you. I pray we appreciate and honor those around us so that we can be pleasing to you. Amen. Thank you, guys. What Miss Stacy said is in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 19. Show respect to the elderly and honor older people. In this way, you show respect for God. I am the Lord. Don't be corrupt when administering justice concerning length, weight, or measuring liquid. Use honest scales honest weights, and honest measures. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Obey all my laws and all my rules and live by them. I am the Lord. Well, they say you're not getting older, you're getting better. I think I'm getting close to best, don't you? I did want to also mention today a celebration, and I think he just walked in, a new grandpa that just walked in, Mr. Owen Michael Haywood, was born yesterday at 928, and uh, we are grateful that he's doing well, and Caitlin and Challen are doing well, and we want to give thanks there. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, help us because as a society, we don't honor very much. Somehow we've decided to honor people who are celebrities or athletes or politicians or worldly successful. And we've decided not to honor our elderly those who have challenges, those who meet us every day. And you've got a lot to say about how we're to live, how we're to love, how we're to give, how we're to invest our time. And God, quite honestly, sometimes what you say and what the world says, they are diametrically opposed to one another. And so we've got a challenge, Lord, who we're going to listen to. Today we're trying to tune in to your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, if there's one here today who doesn't know you in the pardon and forgiveness of their sins, then today could be a day of salvation. If there's one here today who would honestly say, Lord, I've kind of slipped a little bit. Maybe not all the way to backsliding, but maybe that's really what it is, Lord. And we're feeling your spirit drawing us, wooing us, inviting us to come back to a closer walk. And maybe, Lord, like you do to me every day, we might just need to have some of our thinking adjusted. And you know where the knobs are. And you know how to tune us, Lord.
if we'll give you permission. Heavenly Father, let us invite you in. Let us hear what your spirit says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Turning your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to read the first eight verses. As you're turning there, we have been blessed with babies. We've got Miss Riley, who's home. Uh, we want to continue to remember her this Tuesday. The plans are now for Kayla McFarland to give birth uh, to Hunter. We want to be remembering them and our thoughts and prayers as that process continues. And it just keeps coming, so we're excited. The nursery's going to be a busy place, and that's a blessing. Timothy and Titus were the two young seminarians to Paul. They were his students. He taught them. He trained them. He poured into them, and sometimes he poured into them not as though he were speaking to the church, but more as though he were speaking about the church. He was suggesting to them things they could do and ways they could handle certain things, and he recognized an issue that the early church with limited resources was dealing with. Because from the Jewish inheritance, it had always been the role of the temple to take care of the orphans and the widows. Because in an ancient society that did not value women, when a woman would lose her husband, whether Young or old, she found herself at the mercy of the society. And many times, she would find herself begging to make a living. And so that was not good, and so the temple began to pick up the slack. The, the early uh, Jewish fathers began to recognize that. And, and we find that passed right on down to the New Testament in James chapter 1. He says, true, true religion undefiled is this, that you care for the welfare of the widows and of the orphans. And so that's always been an important endeavor. Now Paul's going to give us what we might consider a strange interpretation of a widow. Or a widower. He doesn't talk about a widower because in this society men had a whole different socioeconomic status and they did not find themselves if they lost life, they didn't lose all their possession, but a widow would. She would lose all of her possessions to her oldest son, who may or may not look after her best interest. And in this vein of him explaining to us, he's going to describe a widow as one who's all alone, one who has no family, who has no logical support group. So what I want us to not miss is that there's a major socioeconomic shift in the Christianity understanding from the very beginning of the church in the first century that family has a more important responsibility than was previously considered. And so when you see that distinction, you'll understand what he's talking about. We're going to read the first eight verses of 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you're able, I'd invite you to stand as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's holy word. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Verse 3, honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. 
she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. And then he gives a footnote. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Verse 7, command these things as well so that you may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I love the King James Version. It says an infidel. May God has blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. Pray with me. God, give us a word about how we live in 2019 with this text from 2,000 years ago. That we might hear your voice. That we might respond to what you have to say to us. That we might examine how we love you through how we love our family. For our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It had well begun before I was a child, but it has now gone as far as it can, I guess, in the changing dynamics, the norm and the moray. We talked about this during the Monday night conversation, and the 30 that showed up for that conversation, I appreciate your attendance. We talked about how mores and folkways and norms have a way of changing. And they can or cannot have to do with right or wrong. For instance, our society has changed from one of an agricultural extended family type setting to the postmodern society that, can I just be honest, we institutionalize our young and our old. Now, that doesn't sound good to our ears, but usually by 12 weeks, we put our babies in daycares. And then when you reach that age where you can no longer take care of yourself, most often in our society, we have come up with a system of homes, whether it be a retirement home or a rest home or a nursing home to take care of that. And it's obvious to see in a social sense why that has occurred. Because we're no longer living on the farm. We're no longer using what we use. Now we're going to work. And you can't take your child or your, your aging grandparent or parent with you to, to work. And so we're in this world, aren't we? And it's, we don't like it. I don't think anybody says. I mean, how many times when the mom takes that child for the first time to drop it off at the daycare? hard, isn't it? Because it's going against part of our nature. It's, it's challenging something inside us. And how hard is it when, when we take, I, I remember when mom, after she broke her hip and things continued to deteriorate and it got to where after keeping her at home for all those years, we couldn't keep her there anymore. It's hard. It's just hard. And so in this world, we get this, this word of how to do family. What does family look like? And, and, and we've got to siphon it through the eyes of the culture in which we live. It made perfectly sense in this culture that, hey, there were no rest homes. There were no child care facilities. That wasn't even a, a thing at that point. It wasn't an option. He gives us three truths. To respect, to repay, and to repent. There they are. You got the sermon. Y'all can go ahead and leave now. That's a dangerous thing for a pastor to say. I still got some time. Respect. It's defined as a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, their qualities, or their achievements. Do we see older folks as valuable? 
I read this thing. There's some advantages to being over 50. In a hostage situation, you're likely to be released first. Did you know that? No one expects you to run into a burning building. People no longer view you as a hypochondriac. They know you really are probably in trouble. There's not much left to learn the hard way. And the things you buy now, they probably won't wear out, so that's good. You get into heated arguments over pension plans. The good news is your eyes, they won't get much worse. Your joints, they're more accurate than meteorologists when it comes to predicting the weather. And your secrets are safe with all your friends because they can't remember them either. <laughs> There's challenges to growing older. There's challenges. There's all kind of new horizons that come before us, and many of them are difficult. What do I do in this changing world of geriatrics? And yet in this, he wants to explain, in verse 1, there's, there's really more in 1 and 2 than, than we might even on our first reading see. Because his first statement is to not rebuke, not to treat poorly the older men. Don't, don't believe because you are younger and you are, are stronger and you are faster and you are more connected that those who might be failing don't have much to offer. And so here's where he shifts the paradigm. This is where he makes the change. And, and for you and I, it's no change at all. But I'm telling you, it was a big thing when, when he did it here. Because I've been, I've been raised up calling folks brother. I, I remember when I, the first church I pastored uh, and uh, Ben Honeycutt was uh, the, the gentleman that kind of looked after us. He, um, he called everybody brother. Brother Gary, he'd meet you. Hello, Brother Davis. Hello, Brother Chris. He never said your name without always, always, always refer. He didn't do that to sisters, by the way. I don't know. I guess he thought that might be crossing a line. But every man was always brother so-and-so. When he kept the minutes for the deacons meeting, all the minutes would say, Brother Gary said so-and-so, and Brother John said so-and-so. And I, I never forgot that. I've always appreciated that fact. And here's that, that's the shift that, that, that Paul is telling Timothy. Don't refer to folks as though they're outside your family. See them as part of your family. Begin to refer to folks as your mom and dad. So when you, when you go by today, if you want to say dad, granddad, just don't say great granddad. I don't know if I can handle that. But if you want to say granddad or dad, Gary, I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd honor that. Because in a sense, that's what we're called to do. We're called not to call each other different names, but to see each other in a different way. That's our challenge. To see each other as family. It makes a difference. If every Sunday's a family reunion, it makes a difference. If every time one of us hurts, we all hurt, it makes a difference. If every, every time one of us has a need, we all have a need, it indeed makes a difference. Understand that you're part of the family. The second thing I want to share for just a moment or two this morning is the idea of repayment. And, and he says it quite plainly. He says, recognize that when you show godliness, it's pleasing to the sight of God. And I love that he goes on to say, that in this understanding of what he's trying to put out for us is that I'm going to just say it. We owe them. We owe folks, you and I. In Joshua 24, 13, this statement is said, God's talking through Joshua to the children of Israel. He says, God says, I gave you a land for which you have not labored and cities that you have not built and you dwell in them. 
and you eat the fruit of the vineyards of the olive orchards that you did not plant. Well, why do I say that's there in Joshua? Because it's three times in Deuteronomy. It's three times in Jeremiah. It's also in the book of Isaiah. And we just read it here in Joshua. You reckon when a, a theme starts to repeat itself through hundreds and hundreds of years in the early life of the Hebrew children, that it's a significant point. And that's exactly, that's exactly what I think Paul had in mind here. Now I want to ask you a question. If you're old enough, and by old I mean by being here long enough, that you remember the little white church that used to sit off to the right. I think, didn't it sit off to the right, the little white church? If you remember that little white church that was Flat Springs, raise your hand if you're not ashamed, okay? Raise it high. I see one in the balcony. I see two in the choir. I see four in the choir and a bunch out there. Thank you. All right. If you're like me and I got to raise my hand now, you don't re rem you remember seeing pictures of it and hearing about it. And by the way, if you look in our history room, you can see part of the steeple of it. Uh, but you can't remember it. Raise your hand. Come on now. Yeah, we're, we're here too. Okay. Thank you. Why do I say that? Some of you are old enough to remember when there was a vision by a few folks in 1905, one November, probably cold November, when a group decided there needed to be a church here in this area. And many of us, me included, are reaping a house we didn't build, <laughs> a start we didn't start. But yet, and so, if I were to ask those who raised their hands, I believe they could tell me stories about charter members of this church. I never had the privilege to know any directly, but I know the second generation. I know those who knew the charter members. In, in scriptures, you got primary sources and secondary sources. I got a secondary uh, witness. And now I'm a witness, you're a witness if you're part of this church family, to say that God's up to stuff. He's been up to stuff here since 1905 for 114 years. He's been up to stuff. In that reality, in that regard, then I want us to begin to come to, to understand that Every person who's a part of this church family is valuable. You missed a good opportunity to say amen right there. Let me say that again. Give you a second chance. Every member of this church is valuable. Every one of us. We have a contribution to make. We were talking in conversation just, just a little bit ago about what would it be like instead of folks coming and looking at a church and saying, wonder what that church can do for me if we came to church and said, what can I do to serve the Lord in that congregation? Might slow down some church hopping, I don't know. We need to realize that a sacrifice has been made so we can be who we are and have what we are. I remember when I was 15 years old hearing this story. I've never forgotten it. And it speaks to me of the church in so many ways. I think you can unpack it in ways of our service, in ways of who we are and what we do. The story goes that there was a custom in this ancient village that when parents reached a certain age, they carried them out of the village to die. doesn't matter their health. Didn't matter what was going on. When they reached that age, the community had decided we don't have the resources that are strong enough and hard enough to support us all. So when you reach this age, we carry you off and we leave you in the woods and we bid you farewell. Good luck. And it was always the oldest son's job to do that dastardly deed. Well, the story goes that 
This older son, finally it was his mom's birthday. She reached the age that she had to leave the village. And it was his job to lead her out into the wilderness. And he noticed that as he was going, she was tearing the hem of her garment. And she was dropping a cloth every 10, 15, 20 yards. Those of you who have hunted, if you ever followed a blood trail, you might have used some tissue or something to mark the trail. And that's obviously what she was doing. Well, as they walked and the sun would hear the rip, it just seemed to become more and more annoying to him. It became more and more aggravating. What was she doing? This was a one-way trip after all. Why was she marking the trail? But consistently she tore that gown and dropped those pieces of cloth until finally he could stand it no longer. And he said, Mom, what are you doing? You know you're never, ever, ever coming back. To which she smiled and said, I know but you are my son. And I didn't want you to get lost on your way back. Wow. Is that love? Is that care? Is that what God calls us to be in that kind of a sacrificial relationship with one another? I, I, I don't know how the legend ends, but I'm going to tell you how I'm going to end it. And I'm going to say, he said, this is a stupid rule. We ain't doing this no more. Mama, you coming home with me. Don't you want that to be the way the story ends? Then I've got good news. You're still writing the story in your home. You and I, we're still writing the story with our children, with our grandchildren, with our spouse, with our neighbors. Will they see us caring for them in that kind of way? Church, we've got to be concerned because there are folks who need to see the trail to salvation, amen? They need to know that the way to the cross leads home. They need to get on that trail. Who will show them? How are we marking the trail? And finally, he calls us to repent. Did you see those words? That he gave us. But if anyone doesn't provide for his relative. And especially for the members of his own household. He's denied the faith. And he's worse than an unbeliever. I want to give you one more story before I quit today. That my daddy used. Never in the pulpit. But he used this story. And I looked it up and found. The, and was able to fill in some of it. It seems the story goes that there was a frail old gentleman whose grandson, rightfully and wonderfully so, decided to bring him into the household because he was too old to live alone. And so it was the grandson and the grandson's wife and their four-year-old son, his great-grandson. But as time went on and living together, boy, that brings challenges, doesn't it? The old man's hands began to tremble. His eyesight was blurred. His steps faltered. And each night when they gathered to eat, the old man with shaky hands found it more and more difficult to eat. The peas would roll off his plate and onto the floor. And before they could be cleaned up, he would step on them. The tablecloth was always a mess. There was at least one spill of milk or tea or whatever they might be drinking that night. And it went on and on and on. And it became more and more aggravating. Until finally, we've got to do something about granddad. I've had enough spilled milk and noisy eating and food on the floor. So the husband... And the wife set up a small table over in the corner. And they got a wooden bowl for granddad. 
because he broke way too many dishes. And so they go to eat, and grandfather's sitting over in the corner with his wooden bowl and wooden spoon, and them at the table eating with their meal. Not much was said for a while. And then one day, the four-year-old, who watched all of this in silence, one day before supper, he was outside and he was playing with some scraps on the floor. And he asked the child sweetly, he says, Hey, babe, what are you doing? And just sweetly, the little boy responded, Oh, I'm making a little bowl out of wood for you and mama when you get old and you sit in the corner at my house. You know who's watching us to learn how to love their family? They gathered here with Stacy and they're watching us. Always make your words so sweet, you never know which ones you eat. Make sure. Oh, that story has a happy ending. They, they recognized, they changed their ways. How about Gary? Do I recognize? What do I need to repent of as a husband, as a as a father, what do you need to repent of? As a grandparent, as a child, I'm convinced of this, that we love the Lord with our heart, with our mind, and with our soul. That's the spiritual side. And you, if you don't do that, if you don't love the Lord that way first, the last part of loving your neighbor as yourself just doesn't have any power. It won't work. But I can also say, if we don't love our neighbor as ourselves, we're not loving the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind and all our spirit. Brothers and sisters. Fathers and mothers. I'm too old to have any grandparents here. I'll go ahead and own that. But some of you can say today, grandparents, I love you. You're valuable to me. Our church has made an impact, and I think we'll make even more of an impact into our future. When we love each other, especially in our family, the way God's Word tells us to do so. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for your words. For the strength of your power in our life, when our emotions are touched even by little stories, Lord, then we have to choose whether we just leave it there or we give it to you and say, God, what are you saying to me? Am I repaying? Are there some areas where I need to repent, where I haven't given the respect? To you, O oh God, or to someone. Lord, you know every one of our hearts. You know the decisions that should we make them now would make a difference. And Heavenly Father, as we stand in your presence, we humbly bow and ask for your presence to shine upon us as we make these decisions. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn of decision is, I need thee every hour, page 450.
this morning. If God is speaking to your heart and you need to make a decision, you need to make a decision about your family, about your church family, about your work family, wherever that might make sense. May we do so as we stand together. Please remember if you are going with us or would like to get more information about the weekend trip to Burgall, we're going to meet right down here uh, for just a few minutes after church today. Uh, go to the atrium and just sign up everywhere. We need you to sign up. There's all kinds of things we're trying. We feel God calling us to do as a congregation. We need you to help us do it. Bible studies, mission opportunities, all kinds of things. Just be involved as the Lord leads. And now, as we leave this place, may we do so in God's peace and in his power and his abiding presence that we might be his family people in the midst of all his people. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray for the family that is under attack in so many ways, Lord. I pray, God, that you would call us to recognize we love our husband, our wife, as an example of how we love you. We love our children and our grandchildren. We love one another as an indication of how we love you. Help me to do better, oh God. Guide us and direct us that we might live our life this week, that when we gather in this place to hear what you say to us and be inspired by you again next Sunday. We'll have more to offer as our praise and less to ask your forgiveness for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.